First Thessalonians chapter 3 this morning. And verses 4 and 5 we're going to look at. We're going to go ahead and start reading verse 1. Appreciate everybody came out to the wedding and appreciate all the food. That was, my goodness, I tell you, there was some Baptists there for sure, amen, because there was plenty of food. And uh, that that made that makes my day. I mean, <laughs> you say, because you like to eat. Yeah, I like to eat, but I always like when there's enough food for everybody and people don't have to feel like, um, you know, it, it's a terrible thing when people kind of feel like they can't really take a lot of food. They just take a little tiny bit. And I like to be able people to come through and take as much as they want and Hey, take it home if they want to. And some of us got to do that. And that being said, we were supposed to have some trays here today. I don't know what happened to them, but they're no longer with us. <laughs> Bradford had something to say about that too, didn't you? You helped out, dispose of some of that stuff. <laughs> You're not helping things here, Bradford. <laughs> All right. Spray. the preacher over there. He said he'd never seen a church work together like ours. Amen. Well, we kind of just all come together, and at the end of it, it just went, and we were out of there like a, like in a whirlwind. And uh, you thought they were going to close the border on us or something. We had to <laughs> <laughs> so we cleaned everything up. Appreciate that. Amen. And it's always good to see that, people working together. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 3. And I don't know why they're not here today, but you wait until I see them again, and we'll uh, have to deal with that, missing church like that, missing... The first Sunday as a married couple. I cannot imagine. And uh, we'll, we'll deal with them later. Amen. We'll give them a hard time. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the honor that we have to be here today. Thank you, Lord, for the truth from your word. Lord, we, we can see it today. We know, Father, that we are going to have tribulation we're going to suffer persecution in this life and father we know that because they hated you they're going to hate us because you're our savior i pray lord that you just use this message today to help us to challenge us father and and i pray that i would not be the one that's in the forefront but i pray the lord jesus christ would be glorified through everything that's said and done and i pray the holy spirit of god be able to work on our hearts and convict us where we need convicting and comfort, where we need comfort, Father. Lord, I love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the, I guess, the office of a pastor. We've been looking at uh, some of the character of the of the pastor. Uh, we looked at, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the investment of the pastor, verses 1 and 2. And then last week, I believe it was, we looked at the interest of the pastor in verses 2 and 3. And today I want to look at the integrity of the pastor, the integrity of the pastor. The man of God needs to be accountable to people. There needs to be some accountability. I, I Can I t- to be totally honest with you this morning? I, I love being a pastor. It's 
one of my favorite things. I love preaching. I love singing and playing music. And I love singing with my family, my wife. But above all of that, I love being able to study the Word of God. I love to get a message. I love to bring a message to people. And, and to make things even better, people sit there and listen to the message. I, I, I love that. And I love the, the as, as the Lord can use me. I like a message that God gives me. That's not something that uh, you know. Sometimes you got to work hard. You got to find something. You dig deep, and you you labor over it, and you think that that's just going to be the worst thing that you've ever done in your life. And it seems like the Lord uses it because He's in it. Other times, the Lord just gives you a message, and you go. And I love being a pastor, but I realize this, and I'm very very. I, I mean, it's 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 before me all the time that. I, I yes, I meet the qualifications of a pastor, but those qualifications can be lost. Do we understand that? Do we understand? Now, listen. I know that there's those who say, "Well, once you're saved, then you're you. That's that's your qualification. You go right there." Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm not saying here today that I am special. That I am. I'm your, uh, you know, your your king, your leader, and you bow before me. No, I look at myself as the least among us. I look at myself as your minister, which is a servant. And I, I pray that the Lord would never let me get a prideful attitude or or an arrogant attitude towards his people. The Bible talks and gives a warning that, that we are not to be lords over God's heritage. And we need to be careful of that. I've been in churches where pastors are like a king where they have an, an empire, and people really bow before them. And listen, I make no bones about it. I tell our, our kids, we are part of this church. We clean the bathrooms. We sweep floors. We clean the church. Our name's on the list. And because we are part of this church, our name goes on there because we're part of the church, not because we're not we're trying to make a point and say that this, but we're we're saying, listen, you're part of the church, and we're part of the church, and we go forward together. And I say there's some things in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that are qualifications. It gives us the qualifications of a pastor. Let's look back there, just a few pages, and let's read, read through this really quickly. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I know there's been some, some uh, uh, there is a debate out there, but there is no debate with me. The Word of God trumps anybody else's uh, ideas or any college uh, uh, things that they put forward. It, yeah. The Word of God settles it all. It's our sole authority. Amen. And so we find here in First Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read the, the seven, first seven verses. This is a true saying. Now, we, we covered this in a Wednesday night several years back. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now, we understand bishop is the same word for pastor. Amen. We understand that. A bishop then must, notice the word must. In John chapter 3, verse 7, the Lord told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. There is a must there. These must, must be met. And if you don't have these, if you don't meet these, then you do not qualify for the office of the pastor. A bishop then must be blameless. The husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality. Apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care 
of the church of God, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And I, I think verse 7 kind of brings us up to where we're looking at today with the integrity of the pastor, the integrity of the office, of the office. Now you say, well, I don't respect that man. It doesn't matter. You respect the office. We look at our prime minister, and there's not a lot of respect in Canada for the prime minister, but there should be a respect for the office of the prime minister. I can remember over in the States when we lived over there, they had a president. When we did not care for the president, I did not vote for the president. I would never vote for that that president, but I respected the office that he held. Because God puts them there. And the same as a pastor, you respect that office. A pastor must be called. We covered that. A man who is not called, who has decided that he's going to take on a career of pastoring a church, better pick another church besides an independent Baptist church. Amen? Because I don't think you're going to last. You will not last if you're not a God-called man. A pastor must be called. A pastor must be qualified. We looked at the qualifications. And a pastor must be equipped. Now, I think a pastor can is equipped. You say, well, you look at it, they need to go to Bible college, they need to do this. I think the best thing that a pastor can do that he has behind him is a church that he has grown up in, or and, 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 and physically and spiritually, that he has been taught the Word of God. Amen. That equips a man for the ministry. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, 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 that you can't, you shouldn't take uh, uh, extra, um, no, I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm not preaching against that. What I am saying when it comes to being equipped and qualified, amen, it goes back to a church where that you're affiliated with. So we, we find here that Paul reminds them of his character and integrity as a man of God. He's not bragging, but simply re- reassuring their confidence in him. And I want to look at just a few things that, that he reveals to these people in this church. They know him. He was there and they know where he stood. And so he's left. Now he's wondering what's going on there. What's going on? What's happening? And he says here, uh, he reveals that he is, first of all, a man of honesty, a man of honesty. Verse four says this, for verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass. And ye know. He had earned their trust, and that that should have never changed their trust. When you trust somebody, I, listen. We've all we all have testimonies here today of people that we've put our trust in, and they have they've let us down. I tell the story of coming to New Brunswick. I I labored over it. What should I do? Should I should we go? And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I asked my wife. I said, and she said, I'll pray. But she said, whatever the decision is that you make, she said, I'll be there with you. I said, that's no help at all. I wanted you to say, no, I don't want to go. Or, yes, I can't wait to go. And I said, that'd make my job a whole lot easier. But I prayed. And I remember talking to a man, and, and we were talking about it. He, he, he said, well, okay. He said, nobody needs to know anything. But he said, just between me and you, what are you making at your job? And I said, I told him. He was a friend. And he said, so what, what about when you go over there? And I told him. He goes, yeah, I can see why you'd be concerned. But he said... I tell you what, you go ahead and go. And if you ever have any issues, you call me and we'll make sure that it works out for you. 
Now you say, well, that's why you came. No. If God didn't want me here, I wouldn't have come, no matter how many people would have said to come or go. Two years after we were here, a man had fallen into sin in a very terrible way. And I'm glad I didn't come because a man said, I'll take care of you. But I'm glad that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He was a man of honesty. And apparently, he had, he had warned them of possible persecution before it ever came. And I say today, when we are in desperate need of honest pastors. Honest pastors. Somebody who is just honest. What you see is what you get. I'm out in town many times. I'm talking to people, and they're like, wow. I wouldn't have thought you were a pastor. And I said, well, why? Well, because you're just, you're just an ordinary guy. You don't have a suit and tie on. I said, well, no. I said, I do when I go to church. Or I said, or when I preach your funeral, <laughs> it gives me a good way to start witnessing somebody. You talk about preaching your funeral, it gets them all scared and everything, you know. <laughs> we need some honest pastors. I want to say this. Pastors are men like anybody else. They deal with the same things that you deal with. Most of the time, it's, it's in a more of a public way because there's more scrutiny for a pastor. There's more scrutiny from the Word of God for a pastor. So I'm okay with that. But I have been lied to. I have been let down. I have been betrayed by men who call themselves men of God. Now, we were reading the other day as I've been studying Revelation I'm going to read you something really quickly. This isn't part of the message, but I thought it was really good the other day when I was reading it. I had to stop and think about it. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, the Bible says, And when they had opened the fifth seal, I saw unto the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. And it doesn't stop there. It said, I saw those who were slain for the word of God. You know what? It goes on to say, In for their testimony, which they held. I run into people all the time in town who hold the King James Bible. And you know what they tell me? I'm so glad you preach out of the King James Bible. More people ought to preach out of the King James Bible. But they don't darken the door of a church. Sundays they're doing whatever they want to do. If there's something going on down, you know, the the Legion, they're going to be there. They don't care. They're, They're going to do whatever they want to do. There's no testimony. You know what they don't have? They don't have any persecution. They don't have any tribulation for their testimony because they don't have one. The world doesn't care how many Bibles you have on your shelf in your house. But if you don't have a testimony, it's because you're not reading those Bibles. Amen? And there's going to be no tribulation. We desperately are in need of some honest men of God. Romans 12, verse 17 says, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. In the sight of all men. You know, during his time as a rancher, Theodore Roosevelt, and one of his, his cow punchers or his, his ranch hands was out there, and uh, they were, they had lassoed a, a steer, and they brought it in. They were going to brand it. And they lit a fire and prepared the branding irons. The part of the range that they were on was claimed by another, a, a, a neighbor, a ranch that was a neighbor. Gregor Lang was his name. And according to their, their agreement, if something was found on their range, they wouldn't brand it for their own. They would let it go. And so they were there and they got the fire hot and they got the branding irons ready. And 
We find that his cowboy got down and got ready to lay the, the, the brand on this steer. And Theodore Roosevelt said, wait a second, that's not our steer. And the cowboy said, oh, that's all right, boss. It's all right. He said, it's no big deal. And he said, but wait, you're putting my brand on his steer. He said, that's right. He said, do you understand what you're doing? He said, yes, yeah, I understand. It's for you. I'm doing this for you. And he said, okay. He said, put it down, go back to the ranch, pack up your stuff, get off our ranch, you're fired. He couldn't believe it. He said, any man that will steal for me is a man that will steal from me. Where's our honesty today? Where's our honesty? I, I, I've taught our boys at a very young age. You're out in the woods. And I've given them the opportunity when maybe rabbit season wasn't in. There's a rabbit. What do you think, guys? Wouldn't that taste good tonight? No, Dad, we can't shoot it. I know, but I, I know. I say, you know, I know what the law says, but we could shoot that. We could pull the hide off of that thing right now, and we could rip the, 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 some meat off of that, put it in a little baggie, put it in our pockets, and nobody would ever know. Why don't we do it? And I, You know what? Because we taught them at an early age, they knew the right thing to say. Some of them, we had, you know, we had a little bit more of a teaching session at that time. They were ready to go. They had to bag you out and everything. <laughs> Whoa, wait a second. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We've gotten to a place where we will no longer speak the truth if we're unsure how it will be received. We now have what they call situational ethics. And I say we need to proclaim the truth of God's word. Not because we're not, listen, it can be wrong both ways. You can be wrong if you stand there preaching the word of God trying to offend people. Now, trying to shake people up, I've done it myself. I've looked people right in the eye and told them they, they will. When they die, I've talked to people who are at their end of their life and I've looked them in the eye and knowing that might be the last time I've talked to them. And I've said in a very few days, you will know what hell's about. You're going there. And you say, well, you shouldn't so be so bold. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I did that because I loved that person and I told them the truth. I wasn't trying to offend them and try to, to run them off. I was trying to get them to, to understand because the rich man in hell lift up his eyes being in torment. Right. He tore, he's tormented. And he said, well, somebody go tell my brothers. You know, so if Lazarus could have went and told his brothers, what would Lazarus have done? Oh, hey, how, how you doing? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm that beggar. I'm that beggar was out there. Um, yeah. I just wanted to stop by and, and talk to you. Um, you know, sometime if you got a, got a good chance, I'd like to talk to you. Well, now's, now's really not a good time. It's okay. I mean, I'll come back sometime. I don't think that's what would have happened. I think when he went there and he said, listen, your brother screams now in the flames of hell. And he wanted me to come here and tell you that you're going to be there with him very soon. Listen, can I say this today? We read nowhere in the word of God where those brothers ever got saved. That rich man, you know, the sad part about this is he is there with his brothers today, being tormented still in that flame. We need 
some men of honesty. We find that Paul was there. He told them he was a man of honesty. We see number two, he was a man of loyalty. Verse five, it says, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter, having tempted you in our labor, be in vain. You know, it'd be easy for Paul to have abandoned the work in, here in Thessalonica. Many preachers would have, would have went on, forgot about it, never turned around, never went back. And if anybody would have asked them, they would have been like, oh, wait a second. Do you know what happened to me back there? Do you know they threw me out of town? I had to leave or I wouldn't be here today. I would be dead. But he didn't. He was he had some loyalty to this church. He was genuinely concerned for them. Can I say that we need some loyalty today? We need some pastors who are loyal to their churches. A pastor should never be going all the time in other churches and neglecting his own flock. I'm against it. I really, I am. You know what? Most of my time is is, is not spent preaching. I get two, three, or four times a week that I preach. There's a whole lot of other time stuff goes on for this church. You say, well, yeah, but that's just a few hours a week. You know, you know the old saying, pastors only work an hour a week. So what a great job to have. But there's a lot of other things. And I, I think to myself all the time when I'm, I'm doing things. And I, I, I think if I wasn't here, if I did what brother so-and-so did and I wasn't, you know, I'd come flying in on a, on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night, stand up here and start preaching. And I'd walk out the door, go home, go to sleep and then out again. I understand sometimes you might have to do that, but I, I do believe that you're neglecting the calling of God when you're not there for your people. I think there needs to be a loyalty to your church. I, I say this, and I've said it a lot of times, and I make no bones about it. I, I make no apologies because I, I truly believe this. I think our church has something very special. I know we are, we are small in number. And I know there's other churches out there that are that are large churches and they're, they're doing, you know, a lot of things out in missions and everything else. But, but I kind of think that we have something a little bit special here. You know, and I know that when there's times when I can, the Lord kind of pricks my heart where I have to get up and I have to say some things that, that I know that, well, it's just, it's downright rebuking the church. There's been times when I've when I've done it and I thought, well, I'm going to watch certain people walk out the door, and I I I can see it. I see our old flesh bows up sometimes. I I can see that. You know, people don't ever realize that you really can't hide your feelings. They come out one way or another. You might stand there like this. It's like, why is he smiling, gritting his teeth so much? You know, we can't. Like Josie says, I can't hide anything. She said, if I don't tell people, like she said, you can read it all over my face. That's pretty much the way it is. You find here he was a man of loyalty. Pastor needs to remain loyal to his congregation until the Lord removes his burden. He needs to love and care for those whom the Lord has asked him to lead. You say, well, I don't know if I can do that. Well, the Lord gives a man those, those, those attributes. The Lord puts it in a man that he would do anything for his church. I don't know about you, but when I hear people talking about, you know, well, that church, it's nothing but a cult. I don't think of, take it personally for me. It's our church. I think of every one of us. I know that's wrong. 
I know that's foolish. I know it's started by a work of the devil. I, it might be somebody who claims to be a Christian. It might be started by a Christian. But they're wrong. They're wrong. Church members need to possess that same loyalty. We need men. We need ladies who are committed to Christ that are going to raise their families for the Lord. No matter what, they're going to raise their families for the Lord. You know, I know we say this all the time. and I think it needs to be reminded over and over and over again, myself included in my life, because in our lives, we're so busy and our priorities can get mixed up so quickly. You know, we drop things here and we let things go there. But one thing we should never let slide is time with our families and being faithful to the church. Everything else can fail. Everything else can wait. But we should never neglect those two things. Can I say this? If you love your family like you should, like God commands us to love our families. Can I say that the church will never suffer when a man puts his puts God first and his family first? I remember one time I, ta- I, I taught that ever since I've been here as a pastor. And one man come to me like, Pastor, we're not going to be here tonight. We're going to a family picnic. I was like, okay, you know, I'm not going to tell him you can't go to a family picnic. It's just whatever. He's like, yeah, we're going to a family picnic because you told us, Pastor, that the family is first. Okay. I'm my fault again. (laughs) That's why the Lord gave me broad shoulders. Amen. It was okay. If you put your family first, the church will never suffer when your family's first. Never, ever, ever. Now, I understand there's times when when we have to or we miss because of work. And, it, you know, it causes us to miss church and miss out on things at church. But it, it should be an exception to the rule. It should never be the rule. Right. It should never be, well, I'm doing this and I've got this. And, folks, can I say this? I know we all work. Everybody has jobs. And if you didn't. Bible says that we were less than an infidel, right? So we know that you've got to work. That's biblical. But when it interferes with family or if it interferes with the church, it's wrong. And I would say this. You say, well, yeah, but my job's a good job. Your job can be sin. Because the Bible says in James chapter 4, and I think it's verse 17. I'm not sure, but I think it's verse 17 where it says to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him, it is sin. I, I, I'll just say this. I, I tell our kids, and I'm going to tell you because this is the way I live my life. I strive to. The Bible tells us that if it's within our power to do good to somebody, we do it not. It's, you know, it's sin. It tells us, I think it's in First John. There's been many times I've done stuff for people that I didn't want to do. But you know what? They asked me to do it. And I did it because it was within my power to do it. There's been other times when I've done something for somebody when they didn't ask me to do it. Because I wanted to be a blessing. Not because I wanted some attention from somebody or something. Or I was thinking, you know, I'm going to get some great rewards for this one. But it was just in my heart, I wanted to be a servant. I wanted to be a blessing. We need to have that heart. We need to have that attitude. We need to have some loyalty to our families and loyalty to the church of God. We find here in verse three, or num- lastly, number three, 
He was a man of accountability. Paul didn't want his labor in Thessalonica, Thessalonica to have been in vain. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter, having tempted you, and our labor be in vain. You know, I, I would be afraid to stay away from our church for so long. A church needs a pastor, not a preacher. I appreciate the preaching that we have, but a church needs a pastor. There's several churches in the Maritimes that do not have pastors. They've got preachers. But those churches will never flourish. They will never move forward with a preacher. They need a pastor. Amen. It's important we understand that there's there's a difference there. We find he had he had a responsibility to fulfill, and he knew that one day he would give an account of his actions and his deeds. He would give an account for this. Accountability is something that is it is discussed very little in our day. Discussed very little. I believe it was was uh, Charles Wesley, or I, I think it was. I can't remember exactly, but he had seven things that he had his church people ask one another every week. And those seven things they would ask, you know, it was about their personal lives. And then and I think the one of the last questions was, have you lied to me? He would ask them down. I think it was, I, I was reading just the other day that there's a group of pastors, um, and, and, and Chuck Swindoll was one of them. And those group of pastors had several questions that they would ask each other when they would meet together. And you know what we would say? That's none of your business. When somebody walks up to you and they say, where were you? Why weren't you such and such a place? Why weren't you here? Why weren't you at that meeting? Or why weren't you at the prayer meeting? We, we automatically, our old flesh wants to say, well, that's none of your business. But truthfully, as a church, it is. Because we're there for one another. And if we don't love for one another, we're not going to ask. And we're not going to, to put some, to, to make each other a little bit uncomfortable once in a while. That's how we grow. I can remember growing up, and I, I used the same thing for my kids. You know, I, I remember growing up having aches and pains. I remember for a while, my knees killed me. I mean, as, as a boy, I don't know if my legs were growing or what. My knees were just killing me. And I'd go to mom, mom, oh, my word, I think my legs are falling off. And she's like, oh, it's just growing pains. Get out and run around a little while and feel better. I mean, oh, mom, you know, you fall on the ice and the back of your head. Breaks off, Mom, I hurt my head. She, oh, it's growing pain. She get out there and run around for a while, you know. I do the same thing with my kids. Well, Dad, it's growing pains, boy. Get out there and just walk it off. It's all right. You can't grow unless there's some growing pains. You're not going to grow in the Lord unless there's some pain involved. Now, I'm not talking about, yes, I'm going to be able to get them. I'm, no, about genuine love. The Bible talks about open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke is better than secret love. And I find sometimes, you know what happens when we don't? We don't come out and, and talk to somebody when we have issues and we've got things that need to be addressed. You know what we do? We find ourselves back here talking to somebody who will listen. We're talking to a listening ear because they'll listen and they'll take it and they'll add to that. And before you know, you've got something that's blown all out of proportion and you're out of fellowship with the Lord. He was a man of accountability. Accountability that is, is discussed very little in our day. And I can, I can assure you today that I am aware of it as a pastor that one day I will give an account to the Lord for this church. And God has led me to pastor this church and 
And I'm going to give an account of the ministry here of this church. And sometimes I know you might think, why, is that, why did he have to say that? Why does he got to say that? Because I'm going to have to stand before the Lord someday. And I'm going to have to give an account. Why is he so adamant about, you know, being in everything? Why does he want you here? And why does he want early, early prayer meetings? And why does he want this? And he wants us here this week for crying out loud. He gives us one night off every other night. He wants us drug out the church so we can serve the Lord, so we can grow. We can grow and be closer to God every single day as we grow in the Lord. I don't want to go through the motions and establish a ministry void of benefits. How many people, I, I, I was just heard this week, or I read it, or, or heard, I can't remember, but they say that in your average independent Baptist church, they say 20% of the people do 90% of the work. I thought, man, wow, you know what? In my lifetime, I've grown up in church. I've been in church my whole life. And that's true. That's true. I can remember uh, when, when, when Dad pastored, uh, started pastoring Colonial Hills Baptist Church. And we changed it to Mountain View Baptist Church. Someone needed to keep the fire going. We did. Do you know we had to drive past church members' homes while they were sleeping in their beds to be able to get to church to warm it up so they could come to a warm church building? And I don't remember any of them saying, you know what, Pastor? I mean, my goodness, you're driving five miles farther than I would have to. I could walk up to the church and get it going, get the, get a place warmed up. I don't remember that. But you know what I've never heard? I've never heard my dad, my mom, or any of my brothers at that time ever complain about having to go down to the church and get a fire going. You know why? Because they weren't doing it for those people that were sleeping in. They were doing it for the Lord. There's some accountability in our life. We all are going to stand before the Lord one day and give an account of our life. Now, if you're serving, and if you come Thursday night and you walk through this door and the door slams open, smacks against the wall, and you walk back there, and you're like, what am I going to do? I've been pressured into being here. I'm going to say, Mike, you take care of it. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going to say, you know what? No, don't do that. Because you don't. I'm not forcing anybody to be here. I'm giving us opportunities to serve the Lord, to be a, to one day to be able to stand before the Lord and not be say, Lord, but look what I've done here. I got a raise here. Look at my bonus here, as so many other Christians will. But Lord, you don't look look at all my vacation time that I was able to save up. And when I retire, I'm going to be able to. I'm going to retire. One fellow retired, and for five years he lived off his vacation time. Oh, he didn't know his kids because he worked all the time. He didn't know his kids. He didn't know his grandkids because he worked all the time, but he had all that time saved up because he worked, work, 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 work. You should work. Don't get me wrong. You should work. But it needs to be a balance. There needs to be a balance. Believers need to be reminded of accountability. And if you're a member of this church, you're responsible to support the church in every way. And you are accountable to the Lord. You're serving in an office here. You're accountable to God for that. If you're a Sunday school teacher, I mean, if you help count the money, listen, it, a treasure, you're accountable to God for that position. I mean, uh, can you imagine this, this? One of the, uh, as a pastor, I know that when we have visitors, that might be the only time that I ever, ever 
am able to talk to those people. As Sunday school teachers, we have kids come through here. That might be the only time that they're going to hear a gospel message. We need to be aware of that. We need to be prepared. Be prepared so when they come, you're ready. And you're just like, Lord, yes, I've been waiting for this all week long. I've been praying for this very second when I can come here at this time. We, Whatever we do, we're accountable to God. God holds us responsible for living what we say, how we say we are living. I can come here and I can fool you. You can fool me. But you'll never fool God. Never, ever, ever. We need accountability in our personal life. We need accountability in our relationships, in our relationship with God, with our spouse, with our families, with our friends. We need accountability at work. Our attitudes, our decisions, there needs to be accountability in our life, in every part of our life. It's very important that our accountability be voluntary voluntary, rather than mandatory. It's important that, amen? The Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that might give account, must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Paul had begun to bury his heart for the church here in Thessalonica. And I say they would do very well to follow his lead, and they did. And he was very pleased when he heard back the news and how they were steadfast, how they were unmovable, how they had known who they had believed, and they were, they were going forward. I don't want, listen, I do not want people coming here because they're loyal to a man. And I appreciate it. I appreciate if you love me and you, you want to do everything that I say. I appreciate that. But it should not be because you're loyal to me. It should be because you're loyal to the Lord. Because the Lord could take me out of here tomorrow morning or tonight. And another man needs to come in here. And you know what that man should find? He should find people that are right there saying, yes, sir, pastor. What are we going to do? Let's do it. We're with you. Not just because it's a man, but because we're serving the Lord. Amen. I ask us, what's hidden in our hearts today? Do you know the Lord is your Savior, first and foremost? And if you don't, I wouldn't leave here today. I wouldn't walk out of this building without knowing for sure that I'm saved. But Christian, knowing this, are you? Are we committed to serve the Lord? Are, are we settled in what we believe and are willing to stand for the truth of God's Word? Do we know that one day we'll give an account to the Lord God Almighty? We will stand before our Lord and give an account of our life. Not for our sin. Our sin has been judged. But here's where it goes back to. And I'm not preaching a work salvation. You've heard me say on Wednesday night last that you can't, if you're saved, you can't go to hell. Even if you wanted to go to hell, there's nothing, 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 nothing that can cause a Christian to go to hell. We are not going to be judged for our sins. It's our work. And we say that, we say amen. But listen, then why aren't we working a little bit more? There's so much work to be done. There's so much to be done. Let's be busy about the Lord's work. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us, that you'd use this message to, to Father, to stir us up. And, Lord, as we, we, we start this week, and, Father, we started it off right. We started off in the, in the Lord's house with one another, worshiping our God. And I pray, Lord, that you, we'd leave here today, and, and, and as we pause just for 
uh, a few few minutes or so, Father, as we get ready for their afternoon service. I pray that we'd be able to pick some people up, bring some kids in, Lord. And, Father, that we'd be able to present the gospel. If there's one here, Father, we, we Lord, we, we beg you, Father, if there's one that comes today that does not know for sure that they're saved, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be right, that we'd be in fellowship with you, and that we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we'd be ready to show that person how they can be saved. Lord, I love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.